0: It is amazing how often we feel like we need to do God's job for him. That's a heavy weight to bear, being God. Judge and jury of the cosmos, it's a weight we weren't designed for. A weight that will crush us if we're not careful. Why do we pick it up in the first place? I don't know. Why do we do so many of the foolish things we do when we've actually been called to just a life of obedience under a light yoke, a light yoke of joy. The sinners come to Jesus today in our gospel. They come all battered and bruised by their sin, but they come, maybe a little shy, but hopeful. They are indeed saddled with guilt, the guilt of their own evil deeds, their theft, their betrayal of their own brethren, Some of them have lived in gross immorality. They are bruised with shame. But they come. They come to Jesus, believing that He Himself is the embodiment of forgiveness, of mercy, of love. That somehow if they come to Him, He'll wipe out all their ugliness. He'll restore them to dignity, to joy, to peace. So the sinners, they come. To Christ with this hope. Meanwhile. Over on the side in the wings. We have the Pharisees. And they're there. With furrowed brow. Deep set scowls on their faces. Sitting in judgment. Over Jesus. Condemning him for his indiscretion. They sit high up in their seat. Proud and clean and perfect. Keepers of the law. They, worthy of God's approval, they look down on this scene of Jesus with the sinners. They look down with disdain at these ugly sinners and at Jesus who's showing them kindness. Their critical judgment fills them with indignation and wrath. They become angry because Jesus is being merciful. What a strange thing they became angry because Jesus is merciful that is diabolical very very much inspired by the demons we need to all be attentive anger is a venomous serpent which will turn and bite you it will destroy you if it goes unchecked it will destroy you anger will destroy you better to leave the wrath to God and let him decide who deserves what? I say that tongue-in-cheek because God's wrath is not really what we think that it is. Better for us to have compassion on the sinner, to beg God to forgive, have mercy on the sinner, even the sinner who sinned against you, especially the sinner who has sinned against you. It is the complaining... Of the judgmental Pharisees that provokes Jesus to tell the two parables we heard in our reading this morning. And a third parable also which follows the two that we heard but was not part of our reading. The first parable is of the lost sheep. We know the story, we heard it. The shepherd, he has a hundred sheep and one of them goes wandering off. Bad little sheep for wandering off. He was a bad little sheep, you know, he wasn't just a sort of lost sheep sheep. Later in the story he was a sinful sheep. He was a naughty little sheep. Okay. But the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because he values the sheep. He loves the sheep. He cares for the sheep and he goes to rescue him. And he says that the angels in heaven are watching all of this. That's delightful. You know the angels, they're not disconnected. They're watching. They're watching right now. They're here among us. And they know what's going on in your life. Especially your guardian angel. Very concerned about you. They're watching all of this. And Jesus says that there's more joy in heaven. Among those angels. Over one sinner who repents. Than over the 99 who need no repentance. These 99 by the way. Those 99 who need no repentance. The just ones. They don't actually exist. It's just the way parables work. There are no 99 just persons who need no repentance. Everyone, every man, woman, and child in the cosmos who's ever existed or ever will exist is the the one naughty sheep. Jesus is contrasting the one repentant sinner sheep to the Pharisees. Again, he's using a little tongue-in-cheek here some sarcasm to the Pharisees who think they are just. And because of this, they remain in their sin. And there is no joy in heaven among the angels for them. Well, the second parable is that of the woman who lost one of her ten coins. And she diligently sweeps the house until she finds it. And then she has a great party, invites all her friends over to celebrate. And Jesus again concludes this parable saying that there is more joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what do you think the third parable is here in Luke that we didn't read this morning? He says that there's no segue. He just gives a third parable. One, two, three, right after the next one. Does anybody know what it might be? The prodigal son. That's right. The prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son. So We probably know that one best of all. Maybe it's the most beloved of all Jesus' parables. But the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin really are consummated by the parable of the prodigal son. I don't want to retell the parable, but just draw our attention to the contrast between the prodigal sinning son, rebellious son, self-centered, prideful son, who repents and he returns to his father's house hoping for mercy. And then we have the father who runs out to the wayward son with unreserved forgiveness and joy. And he throws a great party to celebrate the joy of his son's return. Then we have, oh dear, the third character, the older brother. The older brother who is angry at the father's mercy and generosity and love. He's angry and resentful and bitter and he judges his brother and his father, harshly. So those are our characters. In all the story, from the beginning to the end, we have Jesus the merciful one, we have the sinners who are full of guilt and shame, but seeking mercy, and then we have the Pharisee, an older brother, who criticizes and judges, and is angry and resentful, and refuses to forgive, and even resents God's mercy. Now, Make no mistake, the sinners that Jesus received and ate with, they had done some really bad things. They had hurt a lot of people. They had lived, in fact, some of them had lived disgusting lives, which greatly offended God. But Jesus loves them, and he sees them as his beautiful children, enslaved to sin, and he desires that they be free, restored to the dignity for which he made them. He does not despise them. They are, in fact, his very joy. The Pharisees do not love them. They do not love them as Christ does. Their hearts are filled with pride and hate and anger. They know nothing of mercy. They see no beauty, only ugliness. And because of this, the sin of the Pharisees is, in fact, uglier than that of the immoral person. God, help us to be people of mercy, not of judgment. God, help us to be slow to anger, to be patient and kind and forgiving to everyone, especially to those who sin directly against us. We need to be like Jesus, who sought to heal the sinner, like the shepherd who went out and went after the naughty sheep, like the woman who searched for the coin And like the generous father who ran out to his rebellious son with great mercy and joy. God help us not to be like the holier-than-thou Pharisee, sitting in judgment, critical and angry, unforgiving, angry, angry, and bitter, and resentful, and angry. Beware. St. Peter tells us this morning, beware. Your adversary roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He will devour you with anger and bitterness. It's a heavy burden to bear, holding everybody to account. It's a light yoke to forgive and show mercy. It's a light yoke. It's easy. It's nice. (laughs) It's nice. Why are you so mad? That's... What a terrible way to live. Why are you carrying those thorns around with you? Why are you doing that? I mean, your dog goes out and takes a dump in the yard. You could go out and scoop it up and eat it. I mean, who does that? We all do. That's what our anger is. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And yet we do it. Foolish. Christ has called us to a life of joy, forgiveness, mercy. We're not responsible for making, you know, being everyone's judge, we can forgive. We can hope for their freedom, for their forgiveness. We can ask God and seek God to forgive them, to have empathy for them, for the sinner who's suffering. You know, the person who's sinning, they're suffering under their sin. You know they're suffering. They're cut off from God because of their sin. How terrible. When you're sinning, don't you want somebody... To be merciful to you, give you a break. Maybe pray to God that you would be freed from your own sinful passions, your own sinful ways. Well, show the same kindness to someone else. It's a much easier life to live. We need to reconcile while there's time. Time does run out. Reconcile while there's time. Forgive while there's time. Show mercy like your heavenly Father shows mercy while there's time. And see how sweet a life this can be. How light a burden. How light and easy. Then instead of being like the angry brother. Sulking in the corner. We can join the party. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? We can join the party. And we can rejoice with the father and our brother. Who has come home. Who has been found. If we could behave this way as a whole community. The spirit will come among us. Like a like a refreshing breeze with healing grace, will fill us with great joy, love for one another, confidence in God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardeen, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.